0: of my former faith, Mormonism. Now, today is a big one, one that has personally affected me, friends, and has kept quite a few family members and loved ones in the closet, uh, to the point where I don't think some of them are ever coming out. Uh, one in particular is getting Turkish delight with Mr. Temnis by this point, point. and yep, that means we're talking about the homosexuals. Now, let me preface this by saying that I am bisexual, and all of my children are on what I call... The rainbow Spectrum. I am fiercely proud of them. I love them to pieces, them and all of their friends who have come out. And you know, honestly, it's been an honor to have them trust me enough to come out to me. So, this is a pro LGBTQI podcast, but we need to talk about the church's stance because, to be frank, it's anything but pro LGBT. Um, and to be honest, they really only focus on the G and sometimes the L. I mean, lesbians just can't get any respect or attention anywhere. Um, Oh, excuse me, sister wives. (laughs) Okay, so in previous podcasts, which if you are just now listening for the first time, you're going to probably want to go back so that stuff will make sense. But in previous uh, podcasts, we've talked about the pre-existence. And that's the place uh, before you were born here on Earth. And um, how that place was when, you know, you chose all of your problems and infirmities Um, you chose your family which could be the same thing I don't want to judge you Um, and it's possibly uh, or it is where you possibly chose who you'll you know Mormon marry in the temple and maybe who you'll Mormon marry after that one dies or the church reinstates polygamy if you're a man Um, but this is also where in your amorphous cloudy spiritual self without a body and you know, one assumes no genitalia, you know, what with you being ghost-like and all, um, you have your gender and sexuality set in stone. Now, if you're a woman in the pre-existence, then by gum, you are a woman that is only turned on sexually by a red-blooded, square-jawed, ape-armed man in this life. And the same goes for men, minus the arm thing, by which I mean... You're only attracted to women with childbearing hips and a sweet spirit. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. <clears throat> I mean, that's all there is. A man who likes women or a woman who likes men. And only when appropriate. Okay, so for the next little hour that we spend together just assume that we're talking about a binary system of gender even though that's scientifically incorrect you know the church just still has a very limited um, archaic view and that's kind of the point that I'm wanting to make here so if you find yourself looking at the same gender they would say the same sex and you hear you know bells chime maybe some tinglies, and your naughty no-nos You know then clearly you are going against what God made you to be and you're choosing to disobey his laws for your own selfish depraved sweaty pillow-biting guttural and delicious needs and shame on you okay oh but the members will still love you I mean you know as long as you live the rest of your life alone now that is actual counsel from the Mormon church. Live alone and God will match you up with the appropriate beard, uh, sorry, spouse in the next life. Now here is the official stance and this is taken directly from the church's online family support materials, quote, God loveth his children. Okay. You are a precious son or daughter of God. He not only knows your name, He knows you. His love for you is individual. You lived in his presence before you were born on this earth. You cannot remember your premortal relationship with him, but he does. Although his children may sometimes do things that disappoint him, he will always love them. In some circumstances, a person defers marriage because he or she is not presently attracted to a member of the opposite gender. While many Latter-day Saints individual effort, the exercise of faith, and reliance upon the enabling power of the Atonement overcome same-gender attraction and mortality, others may not be free of this challenge in this life. Many people with same-gender attraction respect the sacredness of their bodies and the standards that God has set—that sexuality be expressed only between a man and woman lawfully wedded as husband and wife. The lives of these individuals are pleasing to our Father in heaven. Eternity is long and mortality is short. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in that. A lot. Um, <laughs> so take away from that, this life, it's just a cosmic blink. So you can totally suck it up, be miserable and lonely here on earth. You know, keep busy with, you know, service to other church members. I mean, hey, we can always use help at the cannery and in the nursery. And then when you die, then you can have love. But it's going to be with the opposite sex. But we assure you, you're going to like it. So could you just, you know, quit disappointing God for heaven's sake? And when you sit alone in your house, staring at a blank wall, singing happy hymns every time that hot neighbor walks past your window because they are the enemy, you can rest assured that God is in his heaven, fingers steepled under his chin, watching your every move and thought, and is really pleased that you're doing nothing. You know, he loves you more when you're like that. Oh, and you know, don't forget your nighttime prayers to thank him for your wonderful life. I mean, if you're a gay man or a lesbian who is Mormon, your genitalia is a lot like your tonsils, you know, vestigial. Yeah, it's there, but not really with any function that's necessary. Because, you know, all will be taken care of after you live 80 or so years of bitter loneliness and are dead. Ah, truly God is great. There is a real crisis that's happening in Utah right now. And and it's that they lead the nation in suicides. And in fact, it's the second leading cause of death in males that are 15 to 24 and the leading cause in men 25 and up. (laughs) And hey, because it doesn't get talked about much, females in Utah, they attempt suicide three times as often as their male counterparts, but they're not as successful as they tend to go for, you know, non-messy options like pills. Um, So they get found and helped, which yay, I'm, uh, (sighs) but they're going for broke far more often. And I'm just putting this out there. The phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-TALK. And you can also go to thetrevorproject.org and talk anytime, day or night, to someone who knows how brutal life can be for queer kids and young adults. You matter, okay? Okay, so to put this in perspective, according to the CDC, the leading cause of death in the United States is heart disease. And in the United States, suicide ranks 11th. Utah's rate of suicide for women is four times the national average. You know, more people die from suicide than from HIV. Just putting that out there. So Utah is about 70 to 73% Mormon. That's actually shocking, don't you think? Like, don't you expect it to be like 99%? So anyway, so the church's official stance is that there is no connection whatsoever between the state's higher suicide rates and being Mormon. No connection at all with the expectations and pressures to be the example of perfection and godliness to the world and of course to each other, none at all. Nothing to do with being barred from heaven if you're not absolutely perfect. The most hateful book in all the land and one that everyone in my generation got as a graduation gift is by one of the prophets of the church, Spencer W. Kimball. And hmm, surprisingly, it's called The Miracle of Forgiveness. It is the most depressing, hateful book I have ever encountered. And mind you, you know, I've not read any of, you know, Trump's books or Mein Kampf, but I figure it's kind of up there. So now if you have read it, you might realize just how funny the title is because good Lord, everything is a sin. I mean, I guess, you know, to really repent and atone is a miracle. Um, So here's what the prophet of the Mormon church, uh, Spencer W. Kimball said was sinful. And remember, he is a prophet speaking for Jesus Christ himself. This book is printed by the church's publishing house, and this is basically God's word. Okay, this is the infamous paragraph in that book that details everything sinful. We're gonna be here for a bit. (laughs) Murder, adultery, theft. Okay, cursing, hmm. Unholiness in masters, disobedience in servants, Hmm. unfaithfulness, improvidence, hatred of God. All right, disobedience to husbands. Lack of natural affection. Put a pen in that one. High mindedness. Flattery. Lustfulness. Infidelity. Indiscretion. Backbiting. Whispering. Really? Uh, lack of truth. Sometimes also called a lie, I believe. Uh, striking. Brawling. Quarrelsomeness. Unthankfulness. Inhospitality. Deceitfulness irreverence, boasting, arrogance, pride, double-tongued talk, profanity, slander, corruptness, thievery, embezzlement, despoiling, covenant-breaking, incontinence, filthiness, ignobleness, filthy communications, which I feel like we've already addressed by using filthiness, impurity, foolishness, slothfulness, impatience. Lack of understanding. Well, I hope you liked algebra, because if you didn't, um, unmercifulness, idolatry, blasphemy, denial of the Holy Ghost, Sabbath breaking, envy, jealousy, malice, maligning, vengefulness, implacability. Hmm, sounds like God is sending then. Bitterness, clamor loud noises are a sin oh my gosh spite defiling reviling evil speaking provoking greediness for filthy lucre again we've already addressed filthy it just seems a bit redundant Uh, disobedience to parents anger hate covetousness bearing false witness again a lie Um, inventing evil things which means that my eye is on you maker of peep flavored oreos Ooh, fleshliness, heresy, insatiable appetites, instability, ignorance. Um, And in our modern language, masturbation, petting, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and every sex perversion, every hidden and secret sin, and all unholy and impure practices. Wow, Uh, is there anything that doesn't fall under the umbrella there? And then there's a chapter (laughs) that says, this is the sin next to murder. These are the sins, now I'm quoting, these are the sins which are so serious that we know of no forgiveness for them. There are also sins which approach the unforgivable ones in seriousness, but seem to come in the category of the forgivable. It's like he's upset that you can be forgiven for things. These are the diabolical crimes of sexual impurity. In varied forms, they run from aberrations involving self-abuse, sex stimulation, and self-pollution to abhorrent and unnatural practices involving others. Whether named or unnamed in scripture or the spoken word, any sexual act or practice which is unnatural or unauthorized is a sin. Unauthorized? Okay, so he goes on to say that he doesn't want to talk about this stuff. (laughs) Sure. But it's crucial that the church leaders do, even though the words are repugnant and unpleasant. Well, I mean, sure, if you're going to talk like a 1950s health film about it. Okay, so he says that you can be clean of body, but still be filthy as hell's cesspools. By the way, new band name dibs on filthy, filthy as hell's cesspools. <laughs> okay, so there is a famous leak of upcoming doctrinal change in November of 2015. Well, mm, not a change, so to speak, but, you know, doubling down on what they'd already said about what makes a marriage and what sexuality is acceptable. Okay, so there is a manual that every priesthood leader who becomes the state president or the bishop will receive, um, and it's called the Handbook of Instruction. Now, it details everything from how to collect tithing, how services should go, um, how to record you know, um, who's attending meetings, how to wrangle members into taking care of the building and the grounds and not pay them, and how to deal with immorality from abortion to what the church calls SSA, which is same-sex attraction. And remember, they're operating on this old-fashioned binary. So, So this is how homosexuality is addressed in the handbook. Homosexual behavior violates the commandments of God, is contrary to the purposes of human sexuality, distorts loving relationships, and deprives people of the blessings that can be found in family life and in the saving ordinances of the gospel. Those who persist in such behavior or who influence others to do so are subject to church discipline. Homosexual behavior can be forgiven through sincere repentance. So church discipline means being disfellowshipped, which means you are a member but you can't do anything until you're forgiven or you're excommunicated, which means you are not a member, Um, anything that happened in the temple is done away with. It's a big deal. And keep in mind that even having homosexual thoughts requires repentance. I mean, the handbook clearly states it, accept responsibility for your thoughts and actions. And also in the handbook, and I want you to remember this for later, the church opposes pornography in any form, Members should avoid all forms of pornographic material and oppose its production, dissemination, and use. Remember that. Okay, so the members are also taught to reject all efforts to give legal authorization or other official approval or support to marriages between persons of the same gender. That is a quote from a letter from the First Presidency. And again, that's the prophet and his two counselors who are considered apostles. And that's from February of 1994. So, sex in the church is called the power of procreation, right? Because sex is meant to be about making babies. Well, you can't make babies, you shouldn't have sex. Well, that's a little tricky for people who can't have children or are maybe postmenopausal. Oh, also, they strongly discourage members from donating sperm or being a surrogate, strongly. Discourage, And you're not supposed to get a vasectomy or your tubes tied unless your life depends on it, or perhaps if you're mentally challenged. That's in the handbook. Now the church says that even though they oppose, you know, basically queerness in any form, they quote, reach out with understanding. What does that even mean? Okay, in this November 2015 leak, The leaders decided, oh, mm, mm, sorry, rather, God revealed to the leaders of the church that it is Heavenly Father's wish that gay members who get married to the same sex are now called apostates, which means excommunication. And if they have children, those children cannot be baptized Mormon. They cannot go through any of the important rites that all Mormon teens go through because they can't be official members. Not until they turn 18 and denounce their parents. Like they have to formally state their gay parents aren't their family anymore. So the irony is that the Mormons are known as the quote, families are forever church. Well, not if you're a gay or a lesbian. And if you're trans, oh, you can just forget it you have to live a lie. You can't come out as trans. You cannot dress as you see fit for your gender, and you absolutely cannot have gender-confirming surgery. If you do, you can't be baptized if you're a convert. If you grew up Mormon and were baptized before your gender-confirming surgery, you now can't go to the temple, and you have to go to the temple to progress in the church. Well, I mean, not if you're trans. You do not get to advance to the penthouse suite of heaven, so forget your own planet and becoming a god or goddess. But, you know, mortality is short. Eternity is long. And they have no clue how hateful that is. Or (laughs) if they do, they don't care. They've, They've sort of painted themselves into a corner. And honestly, I don't know that they can ever repair it. There are groups of folks who are trying to change the Mormon church from within. I mean, hey, while I applaud their thought and the motivation, I just don't think that they can. Okay, so let's look at what the church has publicly copped to doing. Spending hard money and strong-arming members into spending $20 million for Prop 8 back in 2008. They had videos sent to every ward house detailing how important it was to fight this and encouraging members to caravan um, like to California and help spread a bunch of horse pucky about how dangerous Prop 8 would be. That's really well documented. It angers me every time I think of it. I mean, they spent a lot of money at BYU um, housing a conversion therapy center. And that ran until the early 80s. Okay, so there's a documentary called Legacies, and you can watch it on YouTube. Um, It's a series of four interviews with gay Mormons. Uh, I don't actually think any of them are still Mormon. Um, But they were all born um, in Utah, devoutly Mormon, and grew up that way. And they were sent to the freaking basement of the Smith Family Living Center there on the BYU campus for their therapies. Now, one of the men was 15 when he confessed to having gay thoughts to a beloved seminary teacher um, who turned around and narked on him to the bishop. So without this kid's parents' knowledge, they made it look like he was going to go to BYU for like a genealogy field trip with the youth. But instead, they had vomit-inducing conversion therapy for him. Okay, so this is a quote from the documentary. They explained to me that they would place a heparin lock in my wrist and hook an IV up to that, and I would be put in a room alone with a a flethysmograph on my penis that would measure my physical arousal so that when I got an erection, they would know. Then they started showing me gay pornography. I don't remember if there were films or not, but I do remember stills. I was supposed to go through a stack of photos of nude men and come up with men that I thought were attractive. Now, I want you to keep in mind that because this kid was a devout Mormon, he had never seen anything pornographic before, ever. He was 15. He goes on to say, (laughs) I'd never seen sex before at all. They were going to show me this gay pornography, and using the IV, they would inject a drug into me during the gay pornography to make me start vomiting. Then they would switch the pornography over to heterosexual sex and inject a euphoric drug into me to get me to associate euphoria with heterosexuality. I mean, that is some clockwork orange garbage right there. So he did not go back for further treatment. And because of it, they gave him a shame letter. That's his language that they he then had to hand over in person to his stake president and say he refused refused to go through with the lord's program for his cure the lord's program and now i'm thinking of game of thrones with the shame bell and the shame walk also hey remember how you're not supposed to see or participate in any way with anything pornographic well i guess these guys showing kids dirty pictures get a pass because it's the lord's program now, other people had electroshock therapy, and one person in the documentary says they often saw people with burn marks on their skin. And here's the thing aversion therapy does not work. It will not make you straight if you're gay. If you are gay, lesbian, bi, or trans, you are genetically made that way, just like someone with a specific curl pattern or blue green eyes. No one. And let me repeat, no one chooses to be gay. Okay, for the sake of argument, I suppose there could be a random queer Rachel Dolezal out there, you know, appropriating queer culture to stand out from their own mediocre life. You know, the one where they're not ostracized bullied, shamed, forced into dangerous and worthless conversion therapy centers. It will not do what they claim it will do. People forced to participate in BYU's therapies would tell their bishops that it worked to make it stop and to stop the shame of these weekly meetings and sessions. But it doesn't work. Science says so. And by the way, good job on making science, God, pretty contradictory of you. Hey, are we all feeling like precious, beloved children of God right about now? Feeling like, you know, the church hates the sin but loves the sinner? That they've got their arms out in understanding? So before this year's general conference, which happens twice a year, and that's when the whole church comes together worldwide to... uh, essentially, swear fealty to the church and to God um, and where you receive new instruction and you listen to faith-promoting lessons from the church leaders for two days. So before this recent conference, the church-owned magazine, Ensign, uh, printed an article just three weeks prior called The War Goes On. The war. Now, in this article, one of the leaders speaking for the church, for God, Calls what LGBT people feel counterfeit. From the article. Counterfeits bear a resemblance to the real thing in order to deceive unsuspecting people. They are a twisted version of something good. And just like counterfeit money, they are worthless. Worthless. Arms out in understanding. It continues. Marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God, but same-sex marriage is only a counterfeit. It brings neither posterity nor exaltation. Although his imitations deceive many people, they are not the real thing. They cannot bring lasting happiness. He then goes on to say that when people argue this point, Ah, so that's just what Satan wants. That is of Satan. Satan to find fault with the church's teachings. I mean, do you see how deceptive that is? Do you see that this is a way of silencing anything that challenges what the church teaches? I mean, this is not a good thing. This is not from God. If you're Mormon and listening, that's evil. Not not being gay, not gay marriage. I mean, good God. Uh, Studies actually show that suicides drop in places where marriage equality exists. You know, saying that anyone who argues for equal rights for an entire group of people is satanic as a way of shutting up future discussion? That is freaking evil. Okay, the article goes on to say, (laughs) <laughs> that you shouldn't despair because, all oh, that's just playing into Satan's hands. Well, how the hell can LGBT Mormons not despair when you call their very real feelings of love counterfeit and, and that they're apostates if they act on it and that they must spend their lives alone oh, or live a lie, pretend to be straight, Marry someone of the opposite sex and both of you potentially be miserable for the rest of your lives. And that, my friends, is a quote, real marriage, according to the church, at least. (laughs) The cognitive dissonance. Now in 2000, a young man named Stuart Mattis took his own life in the face of a statewide vote, Proposition 22 which was an anti-gay measure. Now, he said in a letter before his death that hearing that the church supported this position and that they were encouraging their members to give money in support of it to help it pass, that sent him into a downward spiral and ultimately ending with him taking his own life. I hate that his story isn't unique. And since that November leak that I mentioned, there has been just a massive heartbreaking spike in people feeling hopeless enough that they make that ultimate decision to end their life. As the mother of children who are queer and who tried to take their own lives and harm themselves, it's unconscionable to me. This stance is unconscionable. Now as a result of the church pushing their homosexual members back into the closet, you know, to survive and just in order to stay a member, they've increased the number of suicides, the number of unhappy marriages, and they've created a philosophy that God loves you if you're miserable. But come on now, he'll totally hook you up when you're dead. So just be patient and alone. I belong to a group that's called the Mama Dragons. It's Mormon centric, but the mission is to keep queer Mormon kids alive. Please reach out to them. If you're a parent of an LGBT Mormon child, you are not alone and we breathe fire. I also want to mention that the majority of the homeless kids in Utah are queer teens. But families are forever. You know, teaching these principles of what is acceptable and what is freaking satanic just makes the situation for LGBT Mormons worse. We are better than this. We should be better than this. 5,000 kids on the street daily in a state that barely has a population of a million? You know, I am so glad that there are places like Encircle, Now, that's a safe place for LGBTQ Mormon youth that is in Provo that just recently opened its doors. And even better, it's this beautiful Victorian home that was donated by a woman named Gay. And she had two gay sons. And she gets how important it is for these kids to know that they're not alone and that someone cares. I am so glad that there are random you know, stakes and wards who are lovingly embracing gay members and are trying to educate themselves. I am so glad that there are people like the Mama Dragons who speak out, who speak up for their queer children and other LGBT Mormons, who network to find beds for kids, who exist to keep these kids alive. That is arms out and open. I just wish it was actual church doctrine and not these random outliers. And if I can just say to you, if you're LGBT or questioning and you're Mormon, you're not wrong. You're not counterfeit. Love is love is love and it is not a counterfeit. You are just as you're meant to be, be it gay, lesbian, by trans, whatever. You know, here in the South, excuse me, you know, we have a saying that you're not worthless, because God don't make no trash. So while it's great that the Mormon Church, you know, recently put out a positive video on their website where a family learns that a member is gay, and they all decide to love him. I mean, that is great. It really is. It also doesn't change the fact that the church wants that gay family member to spend their life alone or lie and marry the opposite sex just to satisfy their eternal progression ticky box. It doesn't change the fact that they teach and believe that LGBT members are choosing to sin, a sin second to murder, by being gay. That is utter nonsense, and that is not true. Being gay, same sex attracted, trans, trans and gay, however your chips fall, that is who you are. And you are not a sin. So, in light of this, you know, that video becomes nothing more than a PR stunt to take the heat off their archaic and wrong headed attitude towards LGBT members. It's a PR stunt to detract from the financial leaks happening that show how much money was spent on Prop 8 and other political issues that align with that same philosophy. Oh, and side note, they sneakily sidestep polygamy with the whole counterfeit marriage thing, which is hilarious. Because if it all hinges on Joseph Smith and what he said was revelation and from God, (laughs) that includes polygamy, which is not one man, one woman. <laughs> Cognitive dissonance, my word. So I have a book that comes out in May about a devout kid on his mission who realizes he's gay. And worse, in his opinion, he falls for his companion. So he grapples with his feelings of how he wants to be, you know, like other married couples in church sitting you know snuggled up to his partner with an arm over the back of their pew just like everyone else he wants to watch his partner baptize their child do all of the normal rites that he grew up experiencing and what he saw his parents did by the way it's called and it came to pass and it comes out may 18th i really struggled being respectful to the mormon church because i know that there are lgbt members who want to be mormon and stay mormon and i get it i get it leaving the church was one of the hardest things i ever did it is a part of everything in your life how you see yourself how you see your your worth your sense of 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 goodness that i mean that decision did not come easily and it It felt like I was divorcing God. That was the right decision for me. And I am not here to tell other people what to do. You know, there are folks holding out who eventually hope that the church will get with a program. I mean, can the church change? I don't know. I mean, it took them 140 some odd years to change their stance on black members I mean, now they didn't go back on what they taught about black people being marked with the curse of Cain. They still believe that. They still believe Mormon people of color, blacks in particular, will be made, quote, white and delightsome in heaven when they are perfected in the resurrection. So maybe in some alternate universe, they changed their stance on LGBT members. I don't know how it's possible, frankly. For the queer members who love their church, I hope for their sakes that the church does make a change. But I do know this. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to live life honestly. You deserve love and a relationship and an honest one at that. You deserve to look in the mirror. And see who you are. You deserve love. And you deserve it now, not just in the hereafter. And this is from uh, Church Hymn number 87. All the hopes that sweetly start from the fountain of the heart. All the bliss that ever comes to our earthly human homes. All the voices from above. Sweetly whisper, God is love. Amen. Thank you for listening. Hey, and if you enjoyed this, maybe consider leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher, however, you're keeping up with the podcast. You know, that plus reblogging and sharing means an angel gets its wings and a puppy gets a nose boom. So don't be a monster. And next time we're diving deep into the topic of sex. So you don't want to miss it. I'll see you then.